So how are we doing? We're doing good? All right. Who, who just didn't know where to go, so you stayed in the auditorium? Uh, okay, thanks for your honesty. It's great. Uh, really awesome to, to unpack this. So I'm going to kind of unpack 20 years of thoughts, teaching, experience, and stuff that really is in the book that I wrote, but I want to unpack it for you today. I think it's going to help you. If the, if the slide didn't make it, don't worry. That's fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, the area of finance is a big, it's a big area, particularly in church life, okay? And so, like I said the other day, I've seen Christians struggle to uh, actually receive God's blessing and, and feel bad about it when God blesses them. I've seen, and then uh, and sometimes judge other Christians who are prospering. Uh, I've seen people uh, particularly struggle uh, and just get, you know, I've seen marriages fall apart because people have chased money as like the money's the ultimate goal. Uh, I particularly... I've seen people who have been really faithful with tithing and generous sacrificially, and but never seem to step into the blessing that the Bible talks about, and then they wonder why. So that's that's those sort of are the things that have framed up for me. My own background. I I grew up. Okay, so you've heard of a PK pastor's kid. We've got any PKs in the house? All right. I'm a, I'm an, another level in poverty thinking. I'm an MK, a missionary's kid. So my parents were missionaries in the Northern Territory to indigenous communities. They were, my dad was a farmer. My mum was a nurse. Uh, my mum was actually a midwife. I like to say she had a deliverance ministry. Thank you very much. That's right. And my, married, my wife's also a midwife. So she's also got a midwife. Anyway, so I'll stop with the dad jokes. Uh, you know, and so in that sense, part of my mindset growing up was that, that, that having money was only either to just meet your needs or to give away to other people who are needy. That was it. That was my mindset. Uh, the, the idea that, you know, the family environment was generous, it was sacrificial, it was God-honoring, there was a strong sense of calling and purpose, but there was a, like an unspoken rule in our home. And then we also, I was in, the, in a traditional denominational church. And so if you've grown up in a denominational church with a strong kind of religious spirit, you'll kind of have this strong mindset that, that money is the root of all evil. And you're like, well, doesn't the Bible say that? No, it doesn't. The Bible says the love or lust of money is the root of all evil, not money. And so you kind of find that you, you learn things along the way and you, you kind of discover things and that, oh, wealth is bad. And, you, and all of these uh, 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 mindsets that we develop through upbringing, experiences, church experiences, etc., uh, and that's what developed for me. I remember as a teenager hearing a, an American preacher come and say that if Jesus was alive today, he would not drive a BMW. Like, I'm like well, that's quite a silly thing to say because we all know he drove a Honda. No, like we do because he said, I do not speak of my own accord. So uh, as if he was going to drive a BMW. We, we, also, we also know just at the same, the same token that the disciples drove a big Honda. Because the Bible says in the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one accord. So it was like an even bigger Honda than the one Jesus drove. And we, uh, I know, we also know that God leads us in a triumph. So he drives a triumph. So I don't know about Jesus and the BMW. Anyway, sorry, I, I, I digress. But that idea was that Jesus, Jesus would just take the cheapest option if he was here. It doesn't line up with Scripture. If Jesus would take the, the, the cheapest option, the, the soldiers wouldn't have raffled his jacket. It was, it was like extremely uh, pricey, the jacket. It was seamless. 
So that is like, oh, he wouldn't have done that. Anyway, so, so I joined C3 in 1995. Three great things happened in 1995. I got married. Our church joined C3 and Carlton won the premiership. It was a great year. It's the last time we won the premiership. But anyway, moving on from that. Uh, and I joined C3 and I began to hear Phil Pringle talk about money. And he's talking about he's giving this much ridiculous amount of money to the church and, and, and God wants to prosper you and God wants to bless you. And literally, first I sat there going, this guy hasn't read the Bible. Like that's, that's my inner critic uh, uh, became an outer critic. And, I, I, and then he's like, yeah, we're giving 120000 We gave $120,000 to a building fund over three years. And I'm like, dude, haven't you heard the whole left hand, right hand principle? Don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. And so I'm judging from a religious mindset, someone who's actually, and so what it did is it made me begin to go, I need to rethink the way I think to see if it lines up with the Bible or does it actually just line up with a religious tradition that's been passed down to me? So I went on this exercise. I, I, got, a, I got the Bible out and, and I was already like, I'm going to be a missionary, help the poor, live in a, live in a poverty home uh, and have drug addicts in living with me in the home to meet their needs because that's what Jesus would do. That, that's my mindset. And my mindset still is whatever God wants me to do, I'm all in. That's just the way I live. So if God wants me to be poor, I'm all in. Like if that's, the, if that's what the call of God is, Let's go, baby, because I'm all in for whatever the call of God is. So that's my mindset. And so I began to read the Bible, and I, I opened up an exercise book. This is before iPads. I opened up an exercise book, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. The front, I'm going to write down every scripture that says that God wants me to be poor. The middle, I'll write down every scripture that says God's ambivalent. He doesn't really mind whether I've got wealth or don't have wealth. And then at the back, and I can't remember if it was the back or front, but anyway, the back, I'm going to write down every scripture that says God wants to prosper me financially. So I begin to do this journey studying the scriptures over a few years, and I never find one scripture where, God, where it says God wants me to be poor. Can't find it. Now, I find moments where God challenges somebody whose identity is in their wealth to give it all away to the poor, to break something over their life, but he didn't say so that you can be poor the rest of your life. He didn't say that's the goal. So there's never any moment where the Bible says uh, where, where it's, it's God's will for you to be poor because that will be honoring to him. In fact, the Bible calls, calls poverty a curse. Time and time again. So poverty is a curse. Poverty is a curse. You know, help, and it goes, and, it's, and it, then the back of the book, I wrote so many scriptures. The blessing of the Lord adds wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. All the way through the Bible, scripture after scripture, I discovered that God, part of God's provision of blessing for Old Testament and New Testament was financial provision. And then in the middle, I, I wrote a, a number of scriptures, and that was more about your heart about money. So whether you've got money or not, that you put your trust in God, not wealth. That, that you don't be obsessed with wealth. There's a whole lot of things along those lines where God was more, it's your heart, but actually, if your heart's right, I want to prosper you so that you can advance the kingdom. So it started to un, like really undo my mindset. And so then as I'm learning and I'm in business and I did a degree in business and accounting and marketing, I, I one day got this, this kind of picture or revelation as I was helping people with their finances, experiencing the same kind of issues I was, I was experiencing. And the, the, the picture came out of this. I remember I borrowed a mate's Tirana. Do we have Tiranas here? Okay, it's, it's old. It's old, okay. It was his pride and joy. And he's like, you can borrow it, but just look after it. Just do not do anything to it. So I take it for a drive in, in rural country Victoria, around all these, these winding roads, and I'm, I'm behaving myself. It's dark, it's night. And then all of a sudden I hear this clunk, 
And in my rear vision mirror, I see sparks. The car goes to the side and I see this wheel go bouncing past me. Uh, Someone hadn't done up the wheel nuts. And so this car, the wheel just goes flying, flying, and we ground to a very fast halt because I learned a very important principle that day that for a car to go well, it needs four wheels. Like it's a, it's, I know that might be revelation to someone today, four wheels. And so I began to think about your finances as a car. If, you, if, your, if your finances were represented by a car, then what I would, what, if I came and inspected your car in terms of the wheels, the main thing I would want to go is all of your wheels, are they the right size for the car? And then are they all pumped up equally? Because if I came to your place and you're like, oh, I'm having trouble with the wheels on my car and the front one's really pumped up and I'm like, well, let's just pump that one up a little bit more. But I ignored the flat one at the back. You'd be in trouble, right? And so often the mindset of Christians is, because I'm going to talk about four wheels of financial blessing. The mindsets of Christians, one of them is generosity. So many people like, oh, I'm struggling if my finances aren't working. And so what they do is, oh, I just need to, be, I just need to pump my, my, my generosity tire up. I just need to give more. Because if I give more, I've heard that giving creates breakthrough. So I'll give more and that will create breakthrough. That would be my, like me coming to your house and going, I know your back two tires are flat, but let's just put a bit more air in your front tire. Now, you're like, that's the first time I've heard a pastor say that giving, giving is not the only thing that creates breakthrough. That's why I want to look, us to look at a biblical, holistic approach to finances because I believe that one thing that creates breakthrough is absolutely generosity. I've seen it time and time again in my, in my own world, but it's not the only thing if the other tires are flat. So let, let's talk about the four wheels of financial blessing. Are we ready to go? Ready to go. Okay, there's four. You can, you can write them down if you like. Uh, the first one is called right mindset. A right mindset. The next one is wise stewardship. The next one is generosity. Don't worry if you're not getting them. You can buy the book or you can, I'll be going through them in a moment. A spirit of faith. Four tires, your financial car. So, so I'll spend a bit of time on a right mindset because I would say it's the most important initial tire because if you've got the wrong mindset, then you're going to be all out of whack. So I, my, my kind of revy is that there's three mindsets that people have about money. You'll either have a poverty mindset and we'll explain that. Or you'll have a materialistic mindset, or you'll have a biblical mindset. So a poverty mindset is what I had a master's degree in. Okay, I was I was kind of the, the guy who's oh, okay. Uh, well, actually, no, let's not start there. Let's start with the materialistic mindset because often in the church we do talk about this. Uh, so a materialistic mindset looks like this: uh, wealth is the answer to everything. If only I can get some more money then that, that's what's going to help me. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, says no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate one or love the other, or he'll be loyal to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay? And so if you've been around church for five minutes, you've kind of heard this idea. You can't serve God and mammon. When you serve mammon or money, when money becomes the God that will answer all your needs, you'll struggle with greed You'll struggle with stress about money, and then you'll be prideful when you have money. That's, that, these are the signs of a of, of materialistic mindset. So, so mammon, okay, let's talk about mammon. What's mammon? Mammon's a spirit that gets on money. Okay, let, let's talk about sex. Okay, we all woke up. That's good. I saw you. Okay, awesome. Just, 
I remember when I do this in my church, all the guys are like, yes, this is great. All right. So sex is created by God. Just give me a few amens as we go through. Created by God. It's good. It's, he, he's designed it to be enjoyed within boundaries. Keep, keep coming with me. He's created it to, for a purpose, for procreation, for pleasure, for connection, for intimacy. It's, it's his design. Now, so sex is actually good. However, the devil wants to corrupt it. He wants to distort it. He wants to come and make it more uh, important than it actually is so that people get hurt, get self-focused and damaged. The spirit, the, the devil's spirit that comes around this area, we call lust. And when lust gets on sex, sex becomes all about me, becomes all about my pleasure, and then people end up destroying relationships and getting consumed and ruining other people because of the spirit of lust that gets on something God created that's good. Make sense? What lust is to sex, mammon is to money. Mammon is a spirit that gets on money and possessions and people. So money in itself is amoral. God created wealth as a blessing for people. But the spirit of mammon gets on money and people start to go, well, I'm going to chase money. It's the answer to all my problems. If only I've got more, I'll feed that insecurity thing that's on the inside of me. I'll prove to my father that I'm, that I'm more than he ever said I was. I'll, I'll be better than my neighbors. I'll, I'll be able to enjoy pleasure for life. And so mammon is a spirit that gets on money. Now, often what the church does is we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater because Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Paul writes and says that the love of money, the lust of money, the mammon about money is the root of all evil. So often we throw it out with, we throw it out with the bathwater, but actually the reality is that materialistic mindset, that spirit that goes after money is what the problem is. 1, Corinthians 6, uh, 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, but to give away all their money so they're poor doesn't say that this is what it says command those who are rich to timothy in his church in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy so paul's uh, commanding timothy there's rich guys in your church there's rich people in your church and what i want you to do is not tell them don't be rich he's just saying don't trust in your money don't put your identity in your money don't be proud about your money Enjoy the wealth that God's given you for yourself, but then use it to bless other people. That's the answer to materialism. We're making, we're making sense. So the, the lie of, of mammon is money and possessions will make you successful, will solve all your problems, it'll make you happy, it'll make you somebody. The lie behind that is so wrong because they're all things that only God can do. And so people will replace God with mammon. All right, so that's, that's a materialistic mindset. Probably not as big a deal in Australia or New Zealand, but it's still there. A poverty mindset, all right. This one believes that money is the root of all evil. Believes that if you're truly spiritual, you'll take a vow of poverty. If you've, if you've grown up in religious circles, like the, the most holy people, you know, and particularly in the Catholic world, take a vow of celibacy and a vow of poverty to prove their spirituality. That's such a lie. 
Like that, like there are some people who are called to celibacy because of a region or people that God's called them to have, but deal breaker for me from being a pastor, just saying, all right. So, so this idea, uh, Paul writes and says in, to Timothy, in the latter times, people will depart from faith, give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies, having their conscience seared, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who, who believe and know the truth. So he's essentially saying it's a doctrine of demons that will make you abstain from food, from sex, and from things that God's created as good to somehow satisfy this religious thing that you're going to be holier because you're denying yourself. That's the doctrine of demons. So if the devil can't make you bad, he'll, make, he'll try and shrink your life down so it's miserable. And God wants to set you free from a small, miserable life. Come on, who loves being in C3? There's a few, few ways. He wants, to, he wants you to live this big, blessed life. So getting set free from poverty, this is something that, that God had to really help me. So if you've got a poverty mindset, this was me, you struggle with guilt about enjoying possessions. You're like, oh man, I... I'm just driving a new car and I feel guilty about it. I remember, uh, I remember a mate of mine with a poverty mindset bought a new stereo and he took it back the next day because he couldn't handle the unease feeling about having a new thing in his home. I knew a lady who bought new clothes and they sat in the cupboard and she couldn't wear them because she would feel guilty about wearing new clothes. You, you, know, you know you've got a poverty mentality when you've got something nice and you enjoy it and someone compliments and you go, oh yeah, but it was only $10 at, at the op shop. You're like, you're justifying it because you think that God couldn't take pleasure in you enjoying good stuff. That's a, that's a poverty mindset. So you struggle with guilt. Then you judge Christians who have got wealth. It's like, oh, how can they? Have? I remember a, a pastor turning up to our church to preach when I was like early days and, and a, in a new four-wheel drive. And I'm like, how could he drive a new four-wheel drive? Doesn't he know there's starving children in Africa? So, so now I'm judging others. That's what a poverty mentality does. You judge others who are wealthy. I didn't know how much money he was giving away. I didn't know if, whether someone had given him that car or not. I didn't know where he was up to with God, but that's not my place to know. That's between him and God. And if he's enjoying the blessing of God in, in a new car, have at it. Then the last thing is, where if you've got a materialistic mindset, you, you're prideful about your possessions. Well, a poverty mentality is prideful about your lack of possessions. So, okay, when I was a teenager, I, I used to wear a, a T-shirt. My mum would make me clothes because we, we went for, through a season of not having very much money. She made me a pair of yellow and black stripy shorts, like absolute fashion gold. And then I, and then I bought a T-shirt from an op shop. It was called Bob's Boathouse, and it was from a place in New South Wales. Now, I didn't know Bob, not into boats, and I'd never been to the place. But I wore this yellow shirt with my black and yellow stripy shirt. And it was, it was kind of like I'm saying, I don't have expensive clothes. Aren't I spiritual? That was my statement. And so that, you'll take pride. Now, nothing wrong with shopping in an op shop. I mean, it's become cool again now for the young people. They all go to the op shop and it's cool. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with living in, within your budget because you need to. But poverty is when you can afford something nice, you won't buy something nice because you'll feel guilty about it. That's a poverty mindset. And God wants to set you free from that. So a materialistic mindset gets broken when you begin to tithe and give sacrificially. A poverty mindset gets broken when you buy something nice for yourself and enjoy it. 
Some of you are like, oh, I love this preaching. I'm going out afterwards to buy. So awkward when someone with a materialistic mindset is married to someone with a poverty mindset. You need to get free together. Now, I'm not talking about someone who's a spender and a saver. Okay, They're diff- that's not mindsets. That's just two different personalities. God puts us all together with those people too. That's awesome. The last one's a biblical mindset. I'm spending a bit of time on this because it's really important. And you, you just here's the biblical mindset. God's name is Jehovah Jireh. So he's a provider by name. He's also a healer by name. So if God as your provider comes and goes, I want to provide for you, and you go, oh, no, I'm too spiritual for that. It's like, you idiot. That's my name. That's who I am. That's my nature. First miracle Jesus did wasn't a healing. It was a provision miracle. Comes to go, I'm representing God. He's turning water into wine at a party. God's way more into parties, fun, and provision of of stuff that you need than you really think. You think he's all serious. He's not all serious. He wants to prosper you. Jesus multiplies multiplies fish. He multiplies bread. He has business miracles of guys pulling in big hauls of fish. God sends, you know, Kentucky Fried Quail from heaven, like all the stuff. He's a provider. It's his nature. So how can a provider take pleasure in your poverty? It makes no sense. It's religious. So, so, you, so, you know, Psalm 35, 27, set me free. It says, God, uh, magnify the Lord who delights in the prosperity of his servant. So the thing is, am I a servant? Is my heart aligned to advancing the kingdom of God? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then he says, then I'll bless you. I delight in your prosperity. Now, if you've got a poverty mindset to, to transform it, there's two things you've got to do. One is spend some stuff on yourself that you can afford and enjoy it guilt-free. And honestly, even like this has been, I've had year after year of just allowing, oh, okay, we can stay in a five-star resort. We can afford it. And I would feel guilty initially. Some of you are like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. I've got no problem with that at all. But I suspect a number of you, if you've grown up in church all your life, you'll identify with this, okay? That's why I'm spending a bit of time. So to enjoy it. But the other thing you've got to do, remember I talked about the soundtrack? So if you've got a soundtrack that's a poverty soundtrack, that's been screwed into your heart and mind over years where you believe poverty is godly, then you've got to go to work on creating a new soundtrack to line up with the scriptures by declaring what God says about money. So I, I had to walk around going, God, uh, it actually says, shout for joy, O righteous ones, and let the Lord be magnified who takes joy in the prosperity of his servant. So I just had to walk around day, day after day going, God, you're delighted in my prosperity. God, you say in John, uh, 3 John verse 2, you want me to prosper and be in good health as my soul prospers. So that gives you a little insight. Your external prosperity will be a reflection of your internal prosperity, your mindset. So if you're not prospering in your soul, of course you're not going to prosper in your circumstances because John says, I want you to prosper, be in good health as your, the way your soul's prospering. So that's mindset, biblical mindset, quick, you know, Money and possessions are to be enjoyed. They're to be shared with others for mutual enjoyment. Shout someone out for dinner. Like that's, that's money and possessions is to be enjoyed and shared. It's to be given away to bless people. The neighbors need something. Someone in my boot camp had an instructor, had an inst- a, a, a moment. And we're like, we, we have a, a budget for giving away to uh, $200 a month to just random needs that we see. So we've got about seven streams of generosity in our budget that we've been able to grow in over the years. One is just a $200. So I'm like, here's $200 cash. I, I just want to bless you because they had a miscarriage. And get, you just, you know, they're not Christians. So generosity, that, that's, that's the vibe, right? How do you 
you be the good Samaritan unless you're prospering? You've got to prosper if you want to be the good Samaritan. All right. So, shared with others for mutual enjoyment, given away to bless others. This is money and sown for eternal purposes, sown into building funds, sown into missions, sown into community, sown into these. That's what money is for. Okay. So, let's just summarize this. If you've got a materialistic mindset, you'll be greedy and stressed about money and proud about your possessions. Poverty mindset, you'll be guilty and judgmental of others who are successful and you'll take pride in your lack of money. And the last one is if you've got a biblical mindset, you'll be generous and grateful for the blessing that God puts in your life. Making sense. That's your, that's your front left-hand tire. All right, turn to your neighbor and go, how's your front left-hand tire? How's your mindset? <laughs> All right, next, next wheel. Next wheel is the wise stewardship wheel. All right, this is, this, this is like the fun, this is the non-fun wheel. Wise stewardship. This is, this is a couple coming to our church, $60,000 in personal debt, absolutely generous, obsessed with money, believe God wants to prosper them, but just not got a budget, spending way more, spending as if they are rich, but, not, but spending more money than they've got going behind year after year in their finances, not realizing that, that you are a steward of your possessions and you need to manage your money well. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord, its fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell in it. Why stewardship basically is you going, all that I've got isn't mine, it's God's. And I'm a manager of God's resources. It's not mine, it's His. So if I look after it well, like the, the, the uh, parable of the talents, He'll give me more because He can trust me with it. So why stewardship looks like, I'll give you seven quick things, right? Uh, one, tithing. You're like, oh, isn't that a generous thing? No, tithing's not generosity. Tithing's stewardship. Tithing's the stewardship test. Tithing is where God says, I'm going to give you this increase in your life. I'm, I'm going to bless all the increase that you get comes from God. You're like, no, it doesn't. It comes from my job. No, God provides a job for you. God provides the opportunity for investments for you. God, God, God increases the value of, of things so you can, you can sell them. God is the source. If you see him as the source and you're a steward, then his first test is you're like, every bit of increase I give you, the first tenth I want to return to the local storehouse, your church, because that's a test. Ten is the number of testing. That's a test that you, remi you remind yourself that God is the source of your income. It says, if you're not going to bring the tithe, tithing's not about being generous, don't, don't, don't ever think that. If I'm renting a house and I turn up to the real estate agent with my rent and go, good news for you, Bob, I've decided to pay my rent this week. I feel so generous. He's going to go, duh. That, like, you're using the house. That's the price you pay to use the house. Well, you're using God's money. And the price you pay to use God's money is a test and it's the first 10% of all the increase that comes into your life. So Bible actually says you'll be under, a, your, your, the rest of your money will be, it's like that 10%, if you keep it in your pocket, will burn a hole in your pocket because it's God's. And I've seen this happen in our own life where, where actually our income increased and we, we didn't increase our tithe. It was on an automatic amount and everything starts going wrong. The washing machine blows up, the car breaks down. I'm like, what the heck is going on around here? Why is things going wrong? And then I'm realizing, oh, we've got God's stuff sitting around in our bank account. Get it out of here as quickly as we can. And we caught up on it. And we, we, this scripture spoke to us. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So we, bought out, we caught our tithe up very quickly and it turned around. Tithing. So it's not, it's not generosity. It's wise stewardship. Budgeting. 
Just if you're not good at budgeting, you just got to get good at budgeting. It's a, it's a discipline to look at doing a budget. And so there's so many apps, there's so many principles. The basic principle of it is you need to have more income coming in than more than, than's going out. And if you don't know, you're not a good steward. Right? So then you've got a flat front tire. And you'll be spending money that you can. So, so I see people like, oh, the annual insurance and registration for my car came in. I didn't have enough money in the bank. I'm under attack. The devil's attacking me. I'm like, no, silly. That's just a budgeting issue. You need to put the money aside for the rest of the year. You're not under attack. It's just simple stewardship. All right, okay, we'll keep moving, right? Diligence, the hand of the diligent shall rule. Bible says this, the hand of the diligent makes rich. So when you hear the faith stories of supernatural provision, some people are like, this is awesome. All I've got to do is tithe and give in the building fund, sit home in my PJs and watch the money come in through the mail. This is going to be magnificent. And, you, and we hear miracle stories. And miracle stories are real, and I'll tell you a few at the end of it. But miracle stories is not the norm. Work is the norm, and God blesses your work. So God blesses Paul, the tent maker. God wants to bring provision for the temple tax for, for Simon Peter, and rather than a coin dropping out of heaven, what does he do? Go fishing, bro. You're a fisherman. So I'll use your work experience, and I'll prosper you through your work experience. There's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. So God uses streams of income and, and, and particularly work. So the next one is excellence. If you get good at work, a particular skill, then it'll increase your ability to earn income. That's just a wise stewardship thing. If you see someone who's got good skill, they'll stand before kings, Proverbs says. Integrity, God blesses integrity. Don't cheat on your tax and expect God, not to, and expect God to bless you. Wise stewardship, we'll keep going. Wise use of credit. Oh, credit's the big trap. The bank wants you to actually have as many credit cards as you can so that you can get, then spend more money than you're earning so that they can trap you in the highest interest rate possible. They're not helping you. They're trying to trap you. And so credit is essentially bad unless you're using credit for an asset that's increasing in value. So that's the only time. So, so although you deserve a holiday, having a loan to have a holiday is bad stewardship. I, I often tell people, you know, if, if you're going um, to get personal finance to buy a car, just save up a bit of money and buy a cheaper car. Because a car will, unless it's a muscle car from the 70s, it's going to depreciate in value. And then you'll find you owe this much money and the car's gone down to this much money. So credit, using credit for personal experiences, credit, credit for things that are just going to go or go downhill is just bad stewardship. And we can't blame God for bad stewardship. I know this, uh, it's more fun than other topics, but that's okay. This is, I want to help you get free, get free of, of that. Uh, and wise investments. So quick little thought about investments is, is Jesus actually talked to the, the, the parable of the talents as investments. He literally said to one of the guys, you should have at least put the money in the bank and got interest. That's the minimum you should have done. So getting wise with, so the idea is earn your income, first tenth to God, then look for ways to be generous, uh, then look to put money aside and then live off the rest. I love, Paul DeYoung has this principle that I really love, the 10, 10, 10, 70 principle. First 10 goes to God. The next 10, uh, then, then 10% is for generosity across all the different things you can be generous towards. And then 10% is to put aside to save and try and live off the 70. 
Now, I think that's a great principle because uh, and we, we live by that. So the five or seven streams of giving is, is more now than 10% of our income, but we started small. Now, you might go, oh, I can't do that. Just, I, I'm going to start tithing. Absolutely, start tithing. But then when you start giving, lots of Christians don't have margin to put money aside. And they think, if I just give it all away. Now, there's times for a breakthrough sacrificial offering. But I'd say to people, if you're, gonna, if you're thinking about, unless God specifically says to give a certain amount, I would generally say you'd be better to go, well, if we're going to give uh, $300 every month ac- across all our giving, well, try and save $300. Otherwise, make it 150 for your giving and 150 for your saving and build up, build them up equally. Because if you don't have savings, you can't invest. And investing is one of the key principles where God will bring increased wealth into your life. So it's, the, the tide's not up for grabs, but managing, managing your expenses is probably the biggest way the majority of people are going to go forward, where they go, I don't need that new toy, that new phone, those new clothes. I don't need that holiday. I can actually decrease my expenditure and increase my giving and my saving. And if you develop that mindset pay your house off quicker, whatever it might be. For many people, your, your saving is the capital that you're paying your house off with. So you're, you're actually creating a, an asset base. And God wants you to create an asset base, not just to give it all away. Are we making sense? That's wise stewardship. That's, like, that's a whole topic. I just say to people who want to learn about investing, often Christians are the biggest suckers because we believe in miracles. So someone comes along, and if someone comes along with a financial scheme that seems too good to be true, it is. It's like, oh, God's opened up this new door. And if you put in $10,000, you'll get 300% return. I'm like, bah, don't do it unless you can afford to throw that money away. So manage risk in investment. So the thing to do is find a great Christian person with good values who's been a good investor of money over a long period of time and has, and has experience in this area and they've built up a portfolio of property or, or share, whatever it might be, and just ask them to teach you the principles of investment rather than falling for the latest, the latest I was going to say cryptocurrency, but whatever, what are the latest thing? All right, we're doing good. That's the second wheel, wise stewardship. We've got seven minutes for two more wheels. Generosity, I think the church, we teach a lot about generosity. And so it's an absolute important wheel. Uh, giving is not like sowing. It is sowing. So when you give, you literally are so, into the spirit realm. You're sowing money. So your tithe's not seed, but everything over and above that you give to the house of God, to missions, to your neighbors, to, to family, to, to whatever it might be, all of that generosity is seed. And you, the Bible says that you will, those who sow will reap if you do not grow weary and lose heart. So I, I don't know. So some people are like, oh, I'm not. I, I'm not. So once you, if you get the generosity thing that giving is sowing, because it's so scriptural and I don't have time to take you through all of, all of this, but it is, it is sowing. It's not like sowing. So therefore, God's, one of God's primary ways for increase is actually to sow. You're like, really? And often people try and out-sincere God, which is really silly. But it's like, oh, I don't give to get. That's such a terrible motivation, Pastor. Like, I, I get it. You, you, get, you give to worship. You give to vision. You give to people's needs. But if you don't add, you actually, when you're giving, you understand the principle of sowing and reaping. Like, okay, none of you, have got any gardeners in the house. All right. None of you go out into the garden 
with your tomato seeds and go, oh, geez, I love planting tomato seeds. It's so fulfilling. And I just, I feel closer to God when I plant tomato seeds. And, and so when I plant them, now I'm not going to water them and I'm not going to weed them. I just feel like planting them really is all God's required. No, you, I'm, I'm not, oh, expect tomato plants? That's so silly. Who would expect? Don't tell me to expect tomatoes. No, no. When you plant, your expectation is that those seeds are going to grow, right? And they're going to produce tomatoes. And that's not insincere. That's just, that's how it works. Once you understand that giving is sowing, then you'll understand that one of the ways that God wants to get you out of poverty is he wants you to sow seed. And then he wants to water that seed with your faith and to weed that garden by creating the right mindset. So God, who will multiply the seed you sow back into your life, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, don't be, don't be slack about this. Be, be excel in this. Be cheerful because when you give, what you're literally saying is, I'll see you later. That money is going to go and multiply and come back into you if you add the last fourth thing, in which is the wheel of faith. Doing good so far? Right, the wheel of faith. So I'm going to ask you in a few minutes to do a little wheel check, which one's the one needs work on. But, but faith, is, faith is this one. I could... Each one of these, I, I, we do series over these over a whole period of time. But faith is, the spirit of faith is where you actually go, all right, I'm sowing, I'm being generous, I'm being a wise steward, I've got a right mindset. Now, I had a couple come and see me and they said to me, Pastor, we're leaving the church. Never a good moment. I'm like, oh, what's going on, guys? Love these guys. And they're like, well, the whole money thing's just not working for us. You teach about tithing and giving and we just gone backwards it hasn't worked for us i'm like okay underneath outside i'm smiling like a good pastor oh guys we don't go we love you but we'll release you underneath i'm like holy spirit what, what's going on what's going on and so he let asked so i said oh the money thing okay real simple question tell me how how much time a day do you spend praying about your money and they like we don't pray about our money I'm like oh like so how often do you declare God's promises around finances over your finances? They're like, well, we don't. So I began to unpack for them because this, at this stage, this is a new revelation. I began to unpack the wheels of financial blessing. I said, you guys are great stewards. You work hard. You're good. You're disciplined. You're, you're generous. Bit of a poverty mindset. I know you're working on that. We talked about that. But if you don't apply faith to your generosity, you're not going to actually see the principles of God come to pass. And they're like, the lights went on. They went home and they're still in our church 20-something years later. They own their own house. They've got a business. And they just determined that we're going to apply faith to our sowing. You'll not, so the Bible says, don't grow weary and lose heart because those who sow will reap if they don't grow weary and lose heart. So there's this sense that you can sow and then lose heart and grow weary and walk away from it and not experience the blessing. So Danielle and I had a season where we, this would be my last story, where we had a, uh, we're do, doing our budget, wise stewards, and in our budget, we're about $500 a month short. Now we go through the wheels. Are we got a right mindset? Yep, we've got a right mindset. It's just a great framework to think about your finances. It's a great pastoral tool. Got a right mindset? Yes, got a right mindset. Are we working hard? Are we wise stewards? Yeah, we're, she's working three jobs. I've got the business working another job. Uh, we're... We're budgeting, we know where money's going, we're not being overly extravagant, we, but really somehow we've either got to decrease our, our expenses by 500 bucks or increase our income by 500 bucks. And we felt like the Lord whispered to our heart, this is a faith thing. 
You've got to go after this. And you've got to, you've got to, I want you to discover in this next season that I am a provider. Like, okay, we're going to start, start applying our faith. So we're, we're sowing over and above our giving. So we've got seed to multiply back. Because if you're not sowing, what's God going to multiply back? So we're sowing consistently. And I often say to people, if you want to, you know, if you want to increase consistently, sow consistently. If you want big breakthroughs, give big breakthrough amounts. Like just be led by the Spirit in your sowing, but make sure you add faith. So we said, let's just spend 10 minutes every day praying over our money and just believing God. God gave us a promise. And the promise was this, your work will give you what you need. Blessings and good things will come to you. It's in Psalms. So we're like, okay. We're going to take the word and we're going to speak the word because that's what faith does over our, over our finances. And what we said, Lord, we need uh, 500 bucks a month to make ends meet, but we'd really like a thousand a month because then we can go out for dinner, we can have dates, we can go to the movies, we can be more generous. So that was our faith goal. We wanted $1,000 extra a month. At that time, uh, in, in our, we just said, we're not going to tell anybody about our financial issues because, you know, some people have the gift of suggestion. It's like they're telling everybody about their lack and they're not looking to God to be their provider. They're hoping that someone else is going to be their provider. So we're not, we're not going to do that. Now, you know, it's okay to have some trusted people, but we're praying this scripture. So we pray, Lord, at 500 bucks every day, we're praying, we're feeling the, the anxiety about money, but faith starting to rise. So what happened every month for about six months is randomly we'd get $500 given to us, like randomly from people outside our church from people inside our church. We, tra- we traded in some flybys. We have flybys. Flybys, uh, points that got us cash. We, we just, all tax return unexpected, a Centrelink payment because we had little kids unexpected. So over about six months, we kept, God kept providing five, between $500 and $1,000. And we're like, oh, this is exciting. I, w- I wonder if this is going to be the rest of our life. And then, then what happened is uh, I was actually working part-time for the church and we'd made a sacrifice to bless the outgoing senior pastor. Our overseer came and visited and it was a few years in and he goes, oh, your wage is really low. And I'm like, oh, good point. He goes, no, you're being paid. You're, what did, why is it so low? I said, oh, we blessed the other guy and he left a couple of years ago. He's like, well, your wage should be way higher. I'm going to speak to your board. So he went and spoke to our board. And in the space of one day, our income increased by a couple of grand a month, just, just like that. So I'm, I'm like, now, did we tell our board? No. Did we tell our overseer? No. Did we tell anybody? No. We, I love what Pastor Phil says. He's found that the Lord is more generous than the board, which is a really, which is a really good kind of moment. So if you see God as your provider, you'll apply faith. I've done that in business time and time again, done that in our own world time and time again. And it's just, it's, it's not like you ever need to stop using faith because when you start giving larger amounts, you've just used the same kind of faith that got you through in smaller days. So there's the four wheels. So close your eyes. Let's do a quick little, little check-in. Your wheels. Right mindset. I want you to think of which is your flattest wheel right now. Right mindset? Wise stewardship? Generosity? Or a spirit of faith? Is it a faith process? Are you praying daily around stuff? Is it a mindset thing? Do you need to go home and start working on the budget? Do you need to start tithing? That's a wise stewardship thing. So eyes closed, quick survey. You can only have one flattest tire. And I usually recommend people go to work on that one for six months and then move on to the next one. So who would say, my, wife, my, my flattest tire is uh, I don't have a biblical mindset about money. Give me a wave. You're like, I, I think poverty's 
or materialism. All right, so go to work on that. Scriptures, declare them, repent. Who would say wise, wise stewardship is yours? Like, got to get to work on the budget, got to, got to tithe, got to get some, uh, that vibe going. All right, that's the next one. Who would say it's generosity? Just got to get unlocked in generosity and sowing seed. All right, magnificent. And who would say it's a spirit of faith? I've got to actually go after this with the promises and word of God. All right, so quite evenly spread. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you. It's your will to prosper us, for us to be in good health as your sons, daughters, and servants. And I pray today for a grace. I pray for an impartation of faith for financial provision. I pray that mindsets will shift to line up with the Word of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that that investments will increase. And God, I pray that there will be an unlocking of generosity, seed sowing for the kingdom of God. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope that's helpful. There is more info in the book if you want to unpack that a little bit more. Thank you.